will please to the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. If you are a guest this morning, welcome. And also, I need to tell you that for the past several uh, months, we've been studying through this incredible book of Exodus. We've now come to chapter 20. If you read chapter 19, uh, you'll discover that God had made sure that the children of Israel were ready to hear what he was about to share with them. The Ten Commandments were shared with the children of Israel in one fashion or another on three different occasions. This morning, we're going to read the beginnings of that experience when God literally shared it in a verbal fashion with Moses, who then in turn shared it with the children of Israel. Later on, we will discover in the book of Exodus that God gave these commandments to Moses, written in stone. Then Moses, because the children of Israel had violated one of the commandments, thou shalt not make unto me any graven image, thou shalt have no other gods before me, the commandments number one and two. Well, then, uh, you remember, Moses threw the stones down in anger. The next time he was on the mountain, then God shared them with him again. And this time, Moses uh, carved out the stone that contained the Decalogue, the commandments of God. We're going to see all of this as we continue our study of the book of Exodus. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we'll read aloud together the first three verses of Exodus chapter 20. The title of the message this morning, Do You Really Love the Lord? Do You Really Love the Lord? This morning, I received a photograph of that parade that some of you were a part of 14 years ago when we made the journey from our old building on 29th and Sunny Lane over here to our new location on Sooner Road. And you remember leading that parade, Brother Jake Self and I carried this uh, cross. As a matter of fact, the cross is out there in the vestibule up on the wall. You'll see it there when you leave this morning. If you haven't taken notice of it before, most of you have known about this. But Brother Jake and I carried that cross and we led the parade. Brother Jake, as you know, is the only member of our church who suffered uh, the loss of his life during the devastating May 3rd tornado. He was in Gleela's arms in a closet in their house when he, as I have said before, was just caught up in the whirlwind. He was taken to be with the Lord. Very few people across our Southern Baptist Convention uh, are unfamiliar with Brother Jake Self. Many people, most people in our convention have heard that man's name. He was associate pastor here, uh, beginning with Brother John Bassanio. You heard Ron Dunn say last week, Jake Self gave him his first opportunity to preach. And then, of course, he continued on as associate pastor with Brother Jimmy Draper and Bailey Smith. And then finally, for several years, when I first came here to First Southern, retiring just a few years ago. Anyone who has any familiarity at all with Jake Self knows that inevitably when you met him in a hallway or in a grocery store or in a Sunday school class or here in the vestibule of our church, or if he came to visit you, as he did so many in the hospitals, his first question would be this, do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Of course, most people respond to that by saying, well, sure, of course, I love the Lord. I doubt there'd be anybody here this morning who would say, well, I, no, I don't love the Lord. But I want to ask you again, do you really love the Lord? 
And as we come to this first of the Ten Commandments, that question is at the heart of this commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. By the way, that doesn't mean in addition to me or equal to me or in front of me. It means you shall not have any other god, period. And wrapped up in that commandment is the question, do you really love the Lord? And this morning, I'm going to give you a test, three questions. Your answer to those questions will, in essence, help you to understand whether you really love the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you, if you will, please, to stand with me. We're going to read aloud together verses 1, 2, and 3 of Exodus chapter 20. You'll have it on the screen there, and you can follow along on the screen as we read this aloud together, beginning with verse 1, Exodus chapter 20. Let's read it aloud together. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. By the way, notice that word gods is with a small g. You shall have no other gods before me. Let's bow our hearts together before the Lord in prayer. Father, as we bow before you, we are keenly aware that it's easy to say, oh, sure, I love the Lord, because it's hard for us to imagine that we wouldn't. But, Father, we're going to find out this morning whether we really love you. Father, we know that love is more than a simple confession of that fact. It's more than just words. And so, Father, I hope that in these next few moments that you will find me, this is my prayer, my hope, my desire, that you will find me and each person in this auditorium and each person watching on television and each person listening on the radio probing our hearts and asking the question, do I really love the Lord? And I pray that when we come to the end of this service, Lord, having taken this test and probed our hearts, that we would respond to you, that we would, we would answer your call. I pray, Lord, that many would come to this altar to receive you as their Savior, as the Lord of their lives. I pray, Lord, others who have been indifferent maybe for years in terms of service and in terms of active witnessing, in terms of stewardship, will come to this altar seeking your forgiveness and cleansing which you as a loving, merciful God would give. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Keep your Bible open to Exodus chapter 20 as we answer this question, do you really love the Lord? My wife and I, on more than one occasion, have either gone to the Broadway musical, Fiddler on the Roof, or seen the motion picture, Fiddler on the Roof. Most people here, I would imagine, or at least many, have uh, either gone to the play or, or uh, seen the motion picture. There is a very poignant, very touching moment in that production in which the wife of the old Jewish father asked her husband, do you love me? And like most husbands, you know, he blusters, uh, oh, 
Well, well, of course, of course. No, she said, let me ask this again. Do you love me? I want to know, do you love me? And I want, she was saying, something more than your brusque, sure I do, I'd be an idiot not to kind of answer. I want to know, do you love me? Now that is the question I believe the Lord is asking us this morning. Do you love me? Now we come to this, the beginning of these Ten Commandments. Tonight we'll look at the second of these Ten Commandments. What's so bad about a graven image? What is a graven image anyway? Is it possible that we who seem so far from idolatry could ever have a graven image in our life? We're going to look at that this evening. But Jesus said something about love and the commandments. As a matter of fact, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, our Lord was saying, there is no way you can divorce your daily behavior from your confession. You see, we live in a generation that believes that you can separate becoming a Christian from being a Christian. And so you ask the average individual, you know, are you a Christian? Oh, sure. Well, when did that occur? Oh, well, it was back when I was six or seven years old or it was back over at my house or it was in a Sunday school class or after, it was after a tragic moment in my life and, and I prayed to receive Christ. Well, what about now? And many times, most people will blush and say, well, I realize I'm not living the life. What is that the same as saying? Then perhaps you were never genuinely converted in the first place because you cannot separate becoming a Christian from being a Christian. That's why our Lord Jesus said, um, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. And then in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, he says, why do you call me your Lord and do not the things I say unto you? That's a perplexing question. How could you say, I'm your Lord, but you don't do what I say? So the question this morning, do you really love the Lord? Here is this first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. What are some evidences of love for the Lord? Well, let me just mention three this morning. First of all, you will have a growing appreciation for who God is. You will have a growing appreciation for who God is. Do you? Are you coming to know God more and more? Now, I'm speaking here this morning about something more. Now, listen, about something more than coming to know more facts about God. I'm not talking, speaking of education here. Can you say, I know God better now than I did last year? Not just I know some more things about God, but can you honestly say, I have a more intimate relationship with Him now than I have ever had in my life. If not, something is wrong. Paul said, my magnificent obsession is this, that I might know Him, not know stuff about Him, but that I might know Him. Can you say this morning, I know Him better now than I've ever known Him in my life. I know Him. I, I just sense God 
there, present in my life, moment by moment as I begin to make this, uh, think about decisions and, and direct my behavior as I think about the way that I spend my money and the way that I um, schedule my activities and the friends I have and the courses I take at school, I, I can sense God there and I, I, I know Him and I sense Him directing my life. Or would you have to say the truth of the matter is I rarely think about God except when I plop down in church on Sunday morning, the choir begins singing and that's my God hour. Do you really love the Lord? Notice what he says in verse 2. I am the Lord. When you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital B in the Bible, Lord, that is the, trans that is the word put there for Jehovah, which means I am the eternally existing one. You know what he's saying, choir? He's saying, now look, I'm God. There's none other. I am Jehovah. I am the eternally existing one. A word, a name so precious that the Israelites, Jewish people today, would not even speak that name. Jehovah's a, a transliteration. Yahweh, I am Jehovah, the existing one. He says, I am Jehovah, your God. Do you know him? Do you have a growing familiarity with him? He said, well, I, I think I do. Well, let's see. Put this someplace there in the margin of your mind if not your Bible. Growing familiarity with God is evidenced by growing reverence for Him. What is Bill Gothard's, uh, Bill Gothard, Bill Gaither's song? Bill Gothard may have written this too, I don't know. Bill Gaither's song, how does it go? The longer I know Him, the more that I love Him. Growing familiarity with God is evidenced by growing reverence for Him. You see, in a lot of relationships, the more you know someone, the more you take them for granted. But in your relationship with God, the more you know Him, the less you take Him for granted the more awesome he becomes. The more incredible is his mercy. The more incredible is his grace that he would love you, that he would send his son Jesus to save you, to die on the cross. The fact that he would do that when by all rights you should be separated from him forever in hell. I've known of people who in the first blushes of what they call their conversion experience could not say enough about God. But years passed, and it seems that they don't have much to say about God unless they use His name in a joke or unless as an expletive they say, Oh, God. Growing familiarity with God is evidenced by growing reverence for Him, His holiness, His majesty, his mercy, that's God doing something for you that is incredible, not giving you what you deserve, that's mercy. And His grace, giving you something you don't deserve. Growing familiarity with Him is evidenced by growing reverence. You know, 
the more I know of my wife, this, this week, Jeannie and I will celebrate. Let me get this right for a change. How many years will we have been married? 30, she's not telling me, 33 years, okay? We'll have been married 33 years. And I can tell you, the more I know her, the more I love her. And I'm still learning new things. If I had known some of these things, she kept them a secret deliberately from me, I think, for years. And she just thinks of things to spring on me about herself, you know. You do? I... But the longer I know her, the more I love her. And I think that's true, especially in our relationship with God. All right, do you love him? Do you really love him? Do you have growing reverence in your heart for God? Here's the second issue. If you really love the Lord, you will have personally experienced. Now, that's past tense. You will have personally experienced his grace by deliverance from sin's bondage. It's, it's impossible to say, I love the Lord without giving your life to him, without surrendering to him. And so if you really love the Lord, you will have personally experienced his grace by deliverance from sin's bondage. Notice what he says here. He said, I am the Lord who has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, which is a picture of sin's bondage. As a matter of fact, at what we call the Lord's Supper, but the feast of the Passover before his crucifixion, Jesus, in essence, changed the meaning of the Passover. He said, up until now, you have observed this to remember how I delivered you from the bondage of Egypt by the application of the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and down the side. From now on, do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to shed my blood. And the applied blood to your life brings deliverance from the bondage and slavery of sin. Now, have you experienced that? Can you say honestly this morning, as you sit here, as you listen, can you say without question in my life, I have experienced personally deliverance from the bondage of sin, deliverance from its penalty, deliverance from its dominion in my life, deliverance as I surrender to him from the practice of sin in my life? Often when we refer to Christ, choir, we speak of Jesus as being our Savior and Lord. He is both. But it's interesting that in the Bible, in the New Testament, Jesus is called Savior 23 times. He's called Lord 644 times. Now that doesn't mean that he is more Lord than Savior. But here's what it means. There is in our heart this eagerness to embrace him as our Lord because he has saved us. Isn't it interesting that he precedes this commandment by saying, now listen, I am the one who delivered you. I am the one who delivered you out of Egypt. I am the one who delivered you out of the house of bondage. Therefore, you shall have no other God before me. And here's what I hope you'll remember this morning. And that is that knowing Christ... Knowing Christ brings glad surrender to him as Lord. Knowing him as Savior, knowing that he saved you from sin, brings glad surrender to him as Lord. Look, look, here's the picture. 
You were caught in a whirlpool. You were in the center, of, you were in the very vortex of this whirlpool. It was sucking you down to the depths, ultimately the very depths of hell, because all of us have sinned. All of us, there's none of us righteous, no, not one. We all as sinners will die and spend an eternity separated from God and hell. That's what you were in. You were in an element you could not control. It was bigger than you. You could not swim out of it. You couldn't try your best to be delivered from that. But God in his mercy reached down and saved you. And knowing that he did that, makes it very easy to surrender to your Savior as your Lord. Who else would you want as your Lord? Would you want as your Lord someone who couldn't save you or didn't save you or couldn't but didn't? Would you want as your Lord some human being? Or would you not want as your Lord the Jesus who saved you? And so if you really love the Lord, you will be able to say this morning, I have personally experienced his grace i have been delivered from the bondage and the slavery of sin doesn't mean i'm sinless but it does mean that god is at work in my life day by day moment by moment doing something in my heart well do you love the lord can you say that i have personally been delivered from the bondage of sin. Now question number three, let's look at it. If you love the Lord, you will embrace him exclusively as the focus of your worship. If you really love the Lord, you will embrace him exclusively or as the exclusive focus of your worship. Who is the audience of your worship? It is God. When someone says to me, well, I go to my church and when we have our worship service, they do this or that or the other, whatever church I attend, but, but that doesn't really turn me on. Worship is for God. The question is, as God looked at your heart, what does he see? Worship is not for, your, for you to examine others around you and see what they're doing. Well, I don't think they ought to do that, or I think they ought to do this, or I think it's time to do this. Well, everybody's doing that, so I guess I need to join in. There is a sense in which in true worship you lose self-consciousness. One day, the wife of David criticized his worship as they were bringing up the tablet, bringing up the Ark of the Covenant. And David made it very plain to her. He said, it wasn't for you. It was for him that I did this. It was for God. Every once in a while when I talk to people, I, I'll ask them about worship in their church. Well, you know, I'll be traveling. I'll say, well, what, what goes on the worship in your, in your church? And generally they'll start telling me things that other people do. Well, the choir does this and the 
preacher does this and then the congregation does this. I would really love to hear someone say, worship in our church, let me tell you what God does in my heart through worship in our church. Because worship is aimed to God. It is worship. It is, He is worthy. Worship is the word. I hope this is what you'll, you'll understand. You see, loving the Lord your God, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. That word before is very interesting. So, so put this down someplace there. Loving the Lord your God means that there must be no other in front of him or equal with him or in addition to him. Can you remember that? Just write it down someplace. Loving the Lord your God means there must be no other in front of him or equal with him or in addition to him. It doesn't mean that you, you love him first more than you love other gods doesn't mean that. It means you love him first and only. It doesn't mean that, that you share, have any place on the stage of your heart for another God, God Jr., God number two or three or four. Well, I love God, but I'll tell you what, I love some athletic endeavor. I love God, but I'll tell you, I also love this. Or I love God, but I also love this. That's, we're not even talking about the same thing there unless it becomes the obsession of your life. He says, you shall have no other gods, small g-o-d-s, no other gods, nothing else before me, in front of me, beside me, behind me, any place in the wings other than me. He's saying, I want you to love me exclusively. That's what that means. You say, well, it doesn't mean I'm to love my wife or love my children or love my church. It's very interesting. I see people, people who always make these lists. You know, well, let's see, I'm to love God, then I'm to love my family, then I'm to love my church. And I'm, here's what God says. He says, you love me, and through you... I will appropriately pour out my love to your family and to your friends and to your church and to all the other. I will appropriately do that, but you love me. You give yourself to passionately loving me. And everybody else who ought to receive my love through you will get their appropriate measure. That's what he means. That's what it means. You say, well, Brother Tom, shouldn't I say that? Love God first and love... Oh, listen, that's about the way it shakes out. God, mate, family, you know, church. That's about the way it shakes out. But that's not what he's saying here. He's not saying, you should have no other gods before me. I'm to be first, and then these people to be second, and these people to be third, and these people to be fourth. He says, you passionately love me, and I'll take care of them through you the way they ought to be taken care of. The problem is, you see, we try to love all these others without loving God first. 
And it always gets messed up. You know, we never can keep that in balance. We end up loving this more, or loving that more, or loving these people more. And it always gets out of balance. And God says, look, love me first, passionately. And I'll take care of the rest. Let me say it again. Loving the Lord your God means that there must be no other in front of or equal with or in addition to him. He's God. Love for him is in a league all by itself. One day, uh, some disciples of Jesus were talking about following him, and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, you know, if you really want to follow me, you, you know, no man who has not rejected, hated father, mother, brothers, sisters, wives, children, for my sake. He said, wait a minute, is he telling us to hate? No, Jesus is using a hyperbolic statement, a speech here. He's saying, your love for me is in a rank all by itself. Human love almost looks like something that's, that's not love at all when compared to the love that you have for me. Well, do you love the Lord? Do you really love the Lord? Or would you have to say this morning with Brother Tom, there's someone else on the platform of my heart. There's something else that really, I guess if you flip through my, the ledger of my checkbook, you could see what I really love, and it's not God. I guess if you looked at my day timer, you'd find that yeah, I come to church, but I really am given to some other things very ritualistically. I, 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 uh, I'd, I'd miss the Bible, but I wouldn't miss a meal. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd miss worship, but I wouldn't miss my workout. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd... Now, wait a minute. Do you really love the Lord? Let me tell you who's the loser if you don't. You are. See, it's not like if you don't love God that he's up in heaven sulking someplace and saying, oh, man, I'm just so lonely. They don't, they don't love me. No. The truth of the matter is, if you don't love him passionately, you're the loser. And if you know him as Savior, you can love him. Let's pray together. Father, I pray trusting that somehow the impact of this commandment will be driven right into our hearts. Lord, you're asking us this morning, do you really love me? Do you love me? Do you have a growing appreciation for me? Do you worship me gladly? Father, I pray trusting now at this invitation time, your Holy Spirit moving in power will bring many, many, many to this altar. Some to trust Jesus, some to join this church, many to simply kneel here and say, Lord, as a believer in Christ, I have not loved you. Forgive me, cleanse me by your grace placed in my heart an incredible love for you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed all across the auditorium. In a few moments, we're going to be standing together. When we stand, the choir is going to begin singing. When they begin singing, that's your invitation to say yes to that which the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning. Now, this is important. 
Jesus always asks people to respond to the truth. As a matter of fact, on one occasion, he said, if a man confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father who's in heaven. But if a man denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father who's in heaven. There's a lot of ways you can deny him. You don't have to stand up and say, I deny him. You just have to say nothing. Just don't do anything about what God's spoken to your heart. But this is your invitation, whether you're in the balcony or in these galleries or on this lower floor, this is your invitation in the choir, in the orchestra, to say yes to that which the Lord has put on your heart this morning. Now, for some this morning, that means this is the moment for you to trust in Jesus as your Savior. You look across your life, and your spiritual life is like a flat line. There was that little moment, that little spike when you did something and felt pretty good about what you did, but from that moment on, no change. So the evidence is no change, no life. And even as we talk about loving the Lord, you realize this morning, loving the Lord is just mere words to you. And you realize if you were to die, you'd go right to hell. Because you see, just uh, saying some words, it's a matter of surrender. It's a matter of repentance of sin and faith in Christ. And you say, you know... Uh, hasn't been a part of my experience. And it's evidenced by a changed life. You say, well, that's sure not a part of my experience. So this morning, the invitation is for you. The moment we stand, I'm going to lead us in prayer. When I say amen, the choir begins singing. I want to urge you to step out to the aisle. Would you just make up your mind right now that as a part of standing, you'll just step to the aisle, make your way forward. These counselors will be here. Take them by the hand and say, look, I want to trust Jesus today. I want to trust Jesus today. They'll pray with you. In fact, your coming will be a step of faith. Your coming will be an expression to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, as I step to this aisle, I am trusting you as my Savior. And so just tell these counselors, I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior today. And they'll talk with you and pray with you and give you some information which will help you grow in your faith. Can you imagine leaving here this morning without trusting in Jesus? Make that decision, will you? Just decide. Pray that God will give you the grace and the boldness and the decisiveness this morning. There's some here this morning, not members of this church, but God has led you to this place. And you truly believe this is where you ought to be as an individual, as a family, as a couple. And I'm going to ask you the moment we begin singing, you just step to the aisle as well. Find a counselor and say, look, I want to join this church. We want to join this church. This is where we want to serve Jesus. And you'll be coming from a sister church. And you're saying, look, I'm already trusted Christ, member of a church, but God's brought us here. He's taught us here. This is where I want to join. I don't want to move through some kind of buffet area, of buffet line of churches here. God's spoken to me. I know what I need to do. I will do it. I believe there are many here this morning who, who need to come to this altar simply to pray and say, Lord, I have not loved you as I should. Did you know that your coming will encourage others to coming and your coming to join this church will encourage others to coming, to, to be coming? And so when we stand, our prayer warriors will be coming to this altar. You'll be coming to this altar. Counselors will be here. If you've made a decision in recent days, I'm going to ask you to come and be seated over here to your right where it says seating for new members. And we'll introduce you, such as those who were baptized this morning. We'll introduce you as a new member and family of God here at First Southern. Your invitation to say yes to Christ. I'm going to ask our counselors to come and stand all across the front. I want to lead us in prayer. Would you stand? Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father in heaven, I pray trusting, believing, Lord, that this morning you have brought us here for a purpose. You have probed our hearts with the question, do you really love me? Do you really love me? 
And Lord, some have found their love lacking and some in their lack of love have come to the conclusion, I'm not truly born again. I'm not truly a child of God. And so, Lord, I pray this morning they would come to receive Christ as Savior and as Lord of their lives. And I pray it in Jesus' wonderful and matchless name. The Ron Dunn Podcast is available only for personal edification, not to be duplicated, uploaded to the web, or resold without prior written consent. It is managed and operated by Sherwood Baptist Church. If you would like to listen to additional Ron Dunn messages, visit SherwoodBaptist.net slash bookstore and search Ron Dunn. For more Ron Dunn materials, including sermon outlines, devotions, and scanned pages from a study Bible, please visit RonDunn.com.